Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. For the past three days, we've been talking about the power of demons, Satan, fallen angels. We've been talking also about where giants came from in this earth. And today we're ending this thing talking about the anointing of the power of the Spirit of God. Maybe you can't be there to lay hands on a sick person, but even prayer cloths have been taken and demons have left people. That's the power of the anointing. We'll talk about that today. Join me for the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome back again to Student of the Word. And today is our last broadcast on the subject of Satan and demons and fallen angels. And we talked about even uh, giants in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter six. So that part is over, other parts are over, but I'm talking to you today about, I'm getting down just to the rank and file demons that are here. There's higher ranking demons. I mean, that are in hell and help rule over nations and stuff and angels that combat them in the heavenlies. All these things are recorded, especially Daniel reported a lot of these things. But I'm talking about the rank and file demons that are down here in life that, that come against you. And these demons that are down here in this earth that surround you right now are extensions of the nature of the flesh. Turn to Galatians chapter 5 for just a moment, verse 19. We're not going to quote this entire verse, but I just want you to notice something, that there is basically corresponding demons to each one of these. I'm not telling you that whenever you have a desire, you know, for sex outside of marriage or, or sex for the wrong reason, you know, this person, you're not married to this person, that that is demons. No, that's just your own flesh desiring that. But the more you get into it, demon activity can begin to come and start to control you. But again, let's talk about this. Demons are extensions of the nature of the flesh. For every area of the flesh, there's a corresponding demon or many corresponding demons surrounding that one particular area. But like any problem of the flesh, I do want to quote this. And I do want you to understand this. Not every problem is a demon. It doesn't start out as a demon. It starts out with you. And it says in Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They eventually come to where you can actually see them and watch them operate in your life, which are these, adultery, fornication, and cleanness. Going down the list of all them that are here, I want to just take a look at the first three. Adultery. You say, yeah, demon made, the devil made me do it. No, probably, you know, you saw someone, you saw a good looking woman, you saw a handsome man, they made a pass at you and you just fell for it. All right, you can blame the devil all you want to, but really that's your own nature of the flesh. Adultery is part of it. You could say no. People say, well, then if it's there, then how can I stop it? Just say no, turn it down, turn and walk away from the thing. That's exactly in the Old Testament. Uh, what different men, uh, men and women of God did. David didn't turn away from it. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, but there's other heroes of the word of God. When faced with it, they ran in the opposite direction. How important that is. Uh, fornication, you know, sex with someone that's not uh, married, you know, and, and you have sex with them. So the temptation is there, but you can't blame the devil for the temptation. And the third one's uncleanness. This is even homosexuality, lesbianism. Uh, uncleanness is just the perverted styles of uh, sex that God has given. But again, these things are things that draw you away of your own flesh. James chapter 1 and verse 14 amplifies Galatians 5.19, but throws in the demonic activity surrounding it. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and then enticed. That gets further and further into it to where the enticements are no longer just your flesh. Satan has attached himself, the demons have attached himself to this one area where you are weak in. That's why it's so important 
for you as a Christian to those things that are weak in your life. You say, well, I just stay away from them. Well, why don't you just get enough of the word of God where you can withstand them? They'll come at you, they'll still tempt you, but you cannot quote the word at them. That's one of the best ways to get around the temptations of the flesh, like Jesus did with the devil. When the devil threw things at him at temptations, Jesus said all three times, it is written, it is written, it is written. Wow, there's nothing better than using the word of God against the devil and strengthening you at the same time. So demons cannot overtake you apart from your own will. And this is James 1.14, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's things that, that numb the will. And again, the will is the key area here to resist the temptations of the flesh and to resist the temptations of Satan himself and demons. There are things that numb the will and they're forbidden in the word of God. Number one is drunkenness. And getting drunk, again, just, you know, numbs your will. Next of all is drugs. Those are forbidden in the word of God. Idolatry and witchcraft are the same thing too here. Brought out, they can numb the will and give you less resistance to Satan and less resistance to your own flesh. That When these, these temptations come, you don't seem to have the strength to get up past it and you fall for it. And again, this is an open door for Satan. So these things, again, are found in the word of God. And listen, it simply comes back to this. Walk in righteousness. I mean, the choices come every single day to go the way of the world or to go the way of God, go the way of God. The beauty of it is the longer you keep making the right decisions, the less power the wrong decisions have over you. Things can come at you, but listen, Satan has to go into high gear to try to find some other way to tempt you into something because you're not just falling for the usual temptations of life around you. So if sin is in your life, and there is any sin in your life, ask God to forgive you quickly. I mean, the moment happens, ask him quickly to forgive you. You say something you should not have said, and you've come against somebody you should not have come against. Uh, just ask God to forgive you immediately. All right, if there is sin in your life, say that you passed some time back, ask God to forgive you. I never think it's too late until you die to ask God to forgive you that sin. And the beauty of it is, is 1 John 1, 9, if you confess that sin, if there's any unknown sins around it, he'll, he'll uh, cleanse that too. If we confess our sin, we, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if there's any unknown sin surrounding your known sin, confess the known sin, God will take care of it and your unknown sins and forgive you of it. So again, if sin is in your life, ask for forgiveness quickly. Perpetual unforgiven sins weaken the will, opening you up to demons. And so demons cannot take you where you're strong, only where you're weak. Let's talk about demon possession versus demon oppression or control. What I'm trying to say here in these verses of scripture that I'm teaching on right now is demons cannot possess a Christian. They can oppress and try to control you in certain areas, but they cannot literally possess you. Why? Because the moment you became born again, you were possessed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in your human spirit and no demon can get in there. Demons can affect your thinking. They can come into your body with sickness and disease, and you can cast those things out, command them to go in the name of Jesus. So demon possession only happens to unbelievers Demons cannot possess a believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20 tells you that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in us along with an evil spirit. This temple is for God's Shekinah glory from the Old Testament to dwell inside of you. And what was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle? 
and later inside the temple, we have now become the temple of the Holy Spirit and God's glory lives in us. So Christians can be controlled, oppressed by a demon. They can bring sickness into your body. They can bring depression, mental illness into the mind. Israel found demons when they desired the gods of the Canaanites and kept slipping further into adultery, fornication, child sacrifice. Even King Saul, as a believer, was under demon control, but he wasn't demon-possessed. So we have the fact that he would come back and snap back to it for a moment, prophesy, and then snap back again and go back under demon control. He had very little resistance against it because he didn't follow after the word of God and follow after, again, the things of God. And that's where he had such a contrast between King Saul and David that came along later as, as the next king. Let's talk about casting out devils. Here's some interesting things. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and verse 33, and Luke 10, 17. We'll take a look at these. You can find Matthew 9, 32 as I'm talking here for just a moment. Casting out devils was never found in the Old Testament. That was something that came along in the New Testament because believers of the Old Testament did not have authority over Satan. Certain ones like prophets, priests, and kings momentarily had that power, but that was not something that followed them perpetually. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 32 and verse 33, it says, as the disciples went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a demon. When the demon was cast out, the one who was mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled and said, it was never seen like this in Israel. Notice this, we've never seen anything like this in Israel before. Even the leaders of Israel did not cast out devils. They operated against devils, and they won battles over Satan and his forces, but they never did take authority because they were not given authority over Satan until the New Testament. Luke 10, 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They'd never seen this. And they came back with joy like they had never seen. We're just followers. I mean, fishermen and tax collectors and demons are subject to us. The answer is yes, in your name, not in the name of Bob, not in the name of Jim, not in the name of Mary. It's in the name of Jesus. So the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in your name. Here's something, false religions are controlled by demons. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse seven says, they shall no more offer their sacrifices to demons after whom they have gone a whoring. This shall be a statute forever to them throughout their generations. Notice that what he says is, is false religions are controlled by demons. And so again, where you might go get involved in some other religion, I'm not talking about anything to do with Christianity, as long as it follows the cross, I don't care what denominational name you attach to it, this is not demons operating. Although maybe in some people in those denominations, demons can be operating. But overall, demons go after false religions. Some religion that denies it's Jesus Christ, you can get born again, you can get to God through any, you know, any way or through uh, someone like a Buddha or a Mohammed or something like that, that this is the way to heaven. The Bible's Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And so there, you know, people say, well, that's a little arrogant. No, it's confidence to know that you are the right way. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and through the name of Jesus Christ. And there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Demon possession was and still is a choice. 
and uh, whether or not you allow uh, Satan to come into your life and take control in your life. As a Christian, that was a choice. He may have pressured you, but you just gave in. And so you may not even known it was a demon, but you gave in. But the same way with the world, and whether that comes through, you know, through witchcraft or anything else, that it's an invitation and the person has to accept it. Even an unbeliever can say no to a demon. A demon cannot come against the will of an unbeliever when an unbeliever chooses against them. But again, demon possession was and still is today a choice. Ridding themselves in the word of God of demons was by their own will when they repented and turned to God's word. And this is what happened to unbelievers when they got saved and then following after God's word. Getting saved rids you of demons or anything like that, but going to God's word keeps them from coming back into your life. There was a story and Jesus gave a parable about it that said that the house was empty, swept and garnished. The devil was cast out. It went roaming through dry places. And when he came back, he found the house empty, swept and garnished. It didn't say it was full of God's word. It was just empty, swept and garnished, cleaned out. But he came back and came back seven times worse. All I'm saying is you want protection against Satan in your life quote the word of God to him. I'll see you right after the break. Do angels really exist today? What is their purpose? How do they appear in the earth? What about demons? Where did they come from? Are they fallen angels? And can they actually possess a person? In 15 audio lessons on angels and demons, Bob Yandian teaches what the Bible has to say in a comprehensive topical study of angels and demons. Lesson series include angels, God's messengers, a study of angels, the Christian and demons, and a study of demons. MP3 audio files can be played on computers, MP3 players, smartphones, tablets, iPads, and iPhones, as well as car audio systems equipped with a USB port. To order Angels and Demons, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on partnership. Welcome back. 
You know, the offer during this broadcast, these four broadcasts that I've had is Angels and Demons. This gets into just about everything I've been teaching on this particular subject. But one thing I do want to recommend, I'm going to recommend here because I'm getting into the seven sons of Sceva. This is one of the most actually illuminating areas of demonic activity was the seven sons of Sceva found in Acts chapter 19. And I really amplify this. And so if you don't have my book on the book of Acts, when you're making an order, why don't you say throw in that book on the book of Acts. You'll be blessed by it. As again, Acts chapter 19 tells about in the midst of a revival, Satan tried to show himself through men that were demon uh, possessed and operating in the power of demons to cast out demons. I mean, Satan came along looking like he was God's representative, but he imitated it. But anyway, these seven sons were exposed and great things were seen in this particular passage about the operation of demons. Let me quote again the verse I just quoted to you, Leviticus 17, 7, false religions are controlled by demons. It says in Leviticus 17, 7, they, that is those that are under the control of these things, sacrifice and offer their sacrifices to demons after whom they have gone a whoring. Now this is talking about even believers who have been following after God and gone after these false uh, religions. Gone a whoring means that they have left the one they're married to, which is God and the, the proper things of God, and gone after the whorings of this world, false religion. It said this should be a statute forever to them throughout their generations. So again, as we pointed out, demon possession always has been and still is a choice. And it might come in a moment of weakness, but you still opened yourself up. And where you said no, you can still say yes. Even after 40 days that Jesus had fasted and was so weak and so tired and so hungry. I mean, you can imagine how, how, how much his will was struggling at that time. He literally, Satan came to him and Jesus spoke to him three times and brought him the word of God. It comes back to this. I don't care how weak you are. You can still say no. And you can say no and quote a scripture because Satan hates the scripture. And three times Jesus quoted a scripture and Satan departed. It says for a season, oh, he will come back. But ridding themselves of demons, this is what happened in Leviticus 17, seven, had to be by their own will to repent, return to God's word. Many believers in the wilderness, in other times, in, in the times of the judges, all these, they went after the demons and the, and the religions of the world, but they came, many of them came back and they repented and returned to God's word. Demons control much of Judaism in the word of God in Jesus' day. And so in the New Testament, and this was the seven sons of Sceva I was telling you about. In Leviticus, uh, the Old Testament, we're told about this operation of demons along with these false religions. These men, the seven sons of Sceva, had their own religion. It sounded like the Bible. It sounded like the word of God. Their father was a chief priest among the Jews. And so they had all the pedigrees, but they went around casting out demons. But when they found out the name of Jesus, they must have stayed in one of Paul's meetings and saw him casting out devils by the name of this man, Jesus. They tried it. They took a man and took him into a bedroom of a house somewhere and tried to cast the devil out of him. They used the name of Jesus. The moment they did that, the demon spoke out of this demon-possessed man and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul. Because they said, come out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon said, I know that Paul guy and I know that Jesus guy, but who are you? It just shows you Satan doesn't even know his own followers. These men have been following him for years. He doesn't even know their names, but he does know the names of people that have accepted Jesus. He knows the name of Jesus too. If you've been born again, your name is etched in heaven, but it's also etched in hell. He knows you. 
The seven sons of Sceva were trained by their father. Notice this, who did so? That's why it said their father did this. They followed in the footsteps of their father, these seven sons. And then one day the demon turned on them because they used the real power. And so again, it comes back to it that Jesus has the true power and we have his name given to us. And notice what the, remember what the disciples said in chapter uh, 10 of the book of, of Matthew, they returned again with joy saying, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. All right, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 16. We're gonna take a look at verse 14. And here it says in this verse of scripture, again, these are the religions of the world and it's gonna get very much worse during the time of the, of the tribulation in Revelation. And Revelation 16, 14 says, these are the spirits of demons working miracles. Notice this, working miracles, but they're called lying signs and wonders. I mean, they look great, but they're not real. They're lying signs and wonders who go out by the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. This is the battle of Armageddon. So demons can not only control people individually, but they can even control masses of people. Demons control much of what goes on in wars. And demons cannot stay where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is present. Let's go back to this lying signs and wonders. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, he said, behold, there'll come a day when you'll see lying signs and wonders. And it says, don't fall for these things. How do you know the difference between them? Lying signs and wonders do not make operations by the name of Jesus. They don't use the name of Jesus. They use many other things, but the name of Jesus is what indicates what is true and what is not. In fact, in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we have it mentioned so many times that the way to tell a real believer is, do they believe in the blood of Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ who gave his life? Do they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Is he the offspring of God into this world sent to save mankind? This is the way to tell a true prophet and a lying prophet, a false prophet does not use the name of Jesus. So this is the way we can tell. And so I remember Kenneth Hagin, I worked for him one time and he was describing out of that verse of scripture in first, second, third John about that the way to tell a false prophet is by understanding that a false prophet will not use the true name of Jesus and they will not admit that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh to redeem mankind. And he said there was somebody in his prayer line that was talking about this wonderful works of God, and all these kind of things like that. But Brother Hagin said, I knew something was wrong with him. He said, you lying spirit on the inside. He said, sir, I want you right now with your mouth to confess Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. The man said, Jesus Christ is not God come in the flesh. And the man's eyes kind of went like this. He said, say it, say it. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. And the man could not say it. And so Brother Hagin told the demon to turn loose of him. This man was already saved, but he was operating under lying signs and wonders, lying uh, demonic activity who did not possess him, but they had mingled with his thoughts. They were controlling his thoughts. And so the man, again, after that, the man uh, said, no, Jesus Christ is the son of God. After that demon would turn loose of him, but a true demon in a person or possessing or oppressing a person cannot say that. So we have here again, they come with lying signs and wonders. And Jesus said, in so much, they'll deceive the very elect. He's saying there's going to come a time in the tribulation that people who are saved will be deceived by these things because they'll see signs and wonders. This has to be God. No, Satan can do some pretty miraculous things. Remember when uh, 
when Moses was going to come in, met with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh brought out all of those men that worked in, in signs and wonders, you know, those that worked with him, and they produced some strong things, even imitating the ones that uh, Moses did. But Moses kept producing greater and greater. There finally came a point where they couldn't do anymore. And even the magician said, we can't do this. This is God. This is really God, admitting they were not operating under the real God. Revelation 16, 14 again, these are the spirits of demons, not of God working miracles, lying signs and wonders. And Antichrist himself is going to have a false prophet. They'll be working signs and wonders who go out by the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of the great day of God Almighty. So demons can control individuals, but demons can also control masses. Demons control much of wars, like I said, and demons cannot stay when the anointing of the Holy Spirit is present. So we're seeing it happen today. We're seeing masses of people like operating in the same thing. And that's more than just a government. That's more than just a group of people, more than just some type of small group of people controlling them. They've actually given themselves over to the God of this world and they're operating under basically mass hysteria. So demons can control masses. We find them here and they control masses later on in the book of Acts, where we actually had people shouting and screaming in the streets, great as Diana of the Ephesians. And this thing got so totally out of control. They were, they got so hysterical. They were going to kill Paul and his followers for no reason. There was no reason to it. And it took those that operated under the law, the attorneys and the judges coming and standing for them and saying, what you're about to do, you're going to, you're going to regret because this is against the law. These men Men have not broken any law. They didn't come here preaching against Diana. They came preaching their Jesus Christ. And whether you believe in him or not, that's up to you. But this thing you're about to do is wrong and you're not only going to hurt yourself and you'll end up in prison for doing these things. He said, what's going to happen is, is that Rome's going to release a lot of their, their, uh, their, uh, things they've given to us, all types of, of laws and all types of control that we no longer have to do it. Rome does it for us. Now we're going to have to give that up if you guys win this thing. So finally, all of them backed off and all of them left. And so Paul was left and he again escaped from all of those things. Acts chapter 19 tells us in verse 12 that when we operate under the power of the Holy Spirit, that we carry that anointing. There's almost a, a superficial anointing that operates under demons, but there's the true anointing that operates under the Holy Spirit. Satan is in the imitation business and he imitates what God does. Satan cannot come up with anything on his own except for out and out rebellion against God. But one thing he does do is he tries to imitate the things of God to deceive the very elect. Jesus said that would happen. So many signs and wonders that even gonna deceive the very elect and in Acts 19 and verse 12, we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is so powerful. And here we have when Paul, let's just read the verse, Acts 19, 12, speaking of Paul, so that from his body were brought to the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and diseases departed out of them and the evil spirits went out of them. This verse is telling you, you don't even have to be there to cast out a devil. The very anointing and the power of God, the healing miracles of God and the healing power of God is so strong that a handkerchief or an apron that had been prayed over was laid on the sick and the evil spirits went out of them as well as the diseases. So the disease, not one knows something, disease and sickness is separated from evil spirits. Although evil spirits can bring diseases into you, it's possible to be sick and not have an evil spirit. 
It's possible to have an evil spirit which brings diseases into you. But in this case, when they simply laid the handkerchiefs and aprons on the people, the sicknesses, the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Oh, the power of the anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit. For years in my church, we would have times at the end of a service and I'd tell people, bring your prayer cloths attach your name to it, you know, stick it on there. So don't be stealing somebody else's prayer cloth. But my, me and the uh, ushers around me and the church leadership would come and put our hands on that. And we would pray and we would tell sickness and disease to go and demons to get out of those people. We'd lay hands on them and God's power went into them. And we had so many testimonies of people that those were laid on and they said the diseases went out of them. People said it's like the problems in their life just seemed to disappear when they placed them on there. And so the cloth held the power of God, just like the hymn of Jesus. Jesus' garment held the power of God. This is the power we have over Satan, sickness, disease, and even demons that have been sent out to find us. Had a great time teaching this. I hope you had a great time listening to it. We'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.